Thanks to Butcher Box for supporting the Larry Miller Show. For two free filet mignons, free bacon, and $20 off your order, go to butcherbox.com slash Larry and enter Larry at checkout. Go now. This is over a $50 value and available for a limited time. And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's the Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who really wants a good steak. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, is it gorgeous here today on Milleronia. That's right. I know, I know, and I've told you before, I control the weather on Milleronia, and I insist on it. I insist on it being always somewhere between 68 and 73. And there I allow rain, but not like the kind of rain and not like the kind of blizzards we've been seeing on the mainland, uh, well, the last couple of weeks that I'm sure you all know about. But boy, it's gorgeous here. And uh, I'm so glad to have, among other things, my own island and uh, my own people who listen to every speech I make um, from my balcony there on Milleronia at the Presidential Palace on Milleronia. And uh, they're very supportive. And, uh, well, they'd better be so that they don't get uh, escorted up to volcano number one, number two, or number three. Because remember, once you walk up, you don't walk back. So in any case, folks, it's just great to be here. And the music always makes me feel good, as you know. And the same with Colonel Jeff. And, uh, of course, that's the Robert Wagner Orchestra and the Emily Wickersham Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson asking the musical question, In what way, exactly, are we all Larry Miller? Well, Brad, first of all, you are all Larry Miller. And uh, if this were Star Trek and we were all heading out to space, the final frontier, and all the good planets we visited would be populated by Larry Millers. And their children would all ask their folks when they could be Larry Miller too. And all right, that's not true at all. I just thought it was funny. And, uh, you know, the word humor is is a lot of fun to me. And just turning things a little bit to where they don't, Sometimes they just hit a wall, or sometimes they just have a nice, silly sound that doesn't quite make sense. But I I love that just saying, you know, uh, I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And it has a nice, homey, uh, avuncular feeling, uh, you know, and it makes me feel like an uncle. And uh, I don't mean uh, having your arm twisted until you say uncle, whatever that means, by the way. I still don't know, come to think of it, know what that means. But Brad, that's it. I love saying it, and uh, I know you 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 really caught it and wanted to jump in and say, "Hey, in what way exactly are we all Larry Miller?" And I'm glad you wrote it in. Good question. 
But uh, we're all, oh, maybe we are all the same anyway. No, we're not. But <laughs> in any case, I did think it was funny, and I'll I'll never stop writing and thinking and performing things I think are funny. And I hope you like that too. And by Butcher Box. That's right, the folks. Oh, I like these guys so much. Thank you to Butcher Box for supporting our podcast. This is a product perfectly tailored for the Larry Miller Drinking Society. And let me tell you how Butcher Box works. You choose from curated boxes, including a mix of high quality beef, chicken, and pork, or customize your own box. Each box is shipped with a carefully calculated amount of dry ice to ensure it remains frozen after it reaches your doorstep. ButcherBox delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage-breed pork. Cook with peace of mind, knowing you are eating healthy, high-quality meat. Here's the butcher box difference. Butcher box meats come from humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. I enjoyed the meat butcher box sent to me, and that's absolutely true. I can't wait to get my next delivery. So, for two free filet mignons, free bacon, and twenty dollars off your order, go to butcherbox.com slash Larry and enter Larry at checkout. This is over a $50 value and available for a limited time. That's two free filet mignons, free bacon, and $20 off your order by going to butcherbox.com slash Larry and entering Larry at checkout. Go now. This is a limited time offer. Well, listen to the show first, but then, yes, go now. I I like these folks a lot, and I like the company they made a lot, and I like the food they make a lot. And so does Colonel Jeff. I gave him all the bacon, and uh, they make a, well, it's just good. And I uh, I hope you find that out for yourselves. And you know what? I have a chance now to do an ad, an advertisement for you. And it's for a movie I'm in that just opened, just premiered the other night. And it's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot, which I know sounds like <laughs> sounds like a joke as a title, but it's not. In fact, I told I just had lunch today with the writer, director, Bob Kruskowski, and his wife, Jackie. And we went to, by the way, Musso and Frank, which is the oldest restaurant in Hollywood officially. And it's a great place, and it's wonderful. to. It's on Hollywood Boulevard in the middle of, well, there are things on one side that sell, you get tattoos, things on the other side that take the tattoos off, by the way. That's that's how good this block is. But Musso and Frank is a really old, classy place, and it's a pleasure to be. And by the way, it also happens to be when you sit in the main room there and you look at the bar, and that is is the bar and the same tables and the same beams and the same arches. That bar is where Wyatt Earp spent the last 10 years of his life after, well, after Musso and Frank opened in 1919. 
Mr. Earp loved it there, and he hung out there, and he put one of his boots up on that brass rail. And you know what, folks? Every time I've gone there, and I go if I go to the restroom, I always look over at that bar, and I'm I'm happy, and it makes me proud. When Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris and I did our first big fancy fried chicken dinner with two drinks beforehand in a different place, the place we picked was Musso and Frank, just so we could step up to the bar, belly up, and drink where Wyatt Earp drank. And the food is terrific. At any rate, you know, I was, uh, so I was there today with uh, Bob and his wife Jackie and Bob's brother and Zach, the editor of the movie, a couple of the other fellas, Ben, and boy, oh boy, then who worked on the film. It's a terrific movie. It's done very well so far. And, well, I'm asking you to go see it. It's, it's, he got a good distribution deal and, what you do is check your local listings the way you would for any other movie. It's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. And starring Sam Elliott and Ron Livingston and me and oh, a bunch of other terrific folks. Bob wrote it and directed it. And do that. Go see it. Please go see it if you don't. By the way, check your local ads. Check the way you'd go to any movie. And if it's not in your city, then it's also available right now on Amazon and, well, iPhone. and Not iPhone. iTunes. That's right. Shouldn't I know that if, if I'm saying go see it? But do that, folks. I'm very proud of it. It's a very good movie. It's, it's, it's even terrific. And uh, Sam Elliott is fabulous. And I'm pretty good, too. So, you know what? Go do that. And uh, that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. I do like this part because, you know what? There's nothing better than a good joke and keeping it going. You know, it's like something written by Schubert. You know, well, you don't have to just put it on your shelf. And leave it there. Play it. So this is what a good joke means to me. And Colonel Jeff and I like this one. So I'm giving it to you right now. Two students are on a college campus and they're sophomores. And uh, he's a nice fella and she's a nice girl. and And they're both very happy. And they start to go out. And they like going out. And they're a good dating couple. And they're having fun together. And sure enough, eventually... Well, they sleep together. They get into bed and they sleep together and they have fun doing what they do. And after it's over, uh, well, they're still lying in bed, smiling at each other. And the fellow says, uh, you know what? I'm going to call you Eve because you're my first one. And she smiles and says, oh, that's sweet. Okay. And she says, uh, I know I'm going to call you Jumbo Jet. And he says, because I'm so big. And she says, no, because you're my 747th. (laughs) I hope you like that. Speaking of good wordplay. But Colonel Jeff and I did, and we, uh, we giggled. And if you like it, as usual, you know, pass it on. Pass it on to friends and folks you like and loved ones. That's a pretty good joke. And uh, that brings me to my second favorite part of the show. 
the Poetry Corner. I love that string quartet. By the way, that fellow coughing is not Larry Miller, okay? He's one of the, I didn't want to break it to him this way, but he couldn't get rid of that cough, and you know what? He is the one of everyone who is not Larry Miller. At any rate, this is a terrific poem. You can't beat William Shakespeare, and there's no better way to put it or set it up. This is one of his sonnets. Sonnet 97. How like a winter hath my absence been by William Shakespeare. How like a winter hath my absence been from thee, the pleasure of the fleeting year. What freezings have I felt, what dark days seen, what old December's bareness everywhere, and yet this time removed was summer's time, the teeming autumn big with rich increase, bearing the wanton burden of the prime like widowed wombs after their lord's decease. Yet this abundant issue seemed to me but hope of orphans and unfathered fruit, for summer and his pleasures wait on thee. And thou away, the very birds are mute. Or, if they sing, tis with so dull a cheer that leaves look pale, Dreading the winter's near. Isn't that lovely? And as I said, and you know this too, you can't beat William Shakespeare. I hope you like that. Reading a sonnet is always a good idea. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. Magic Movie Moments. This is a, a great movie, and I love this too. I love the concept of the magic movie moment, which, if you're new to the show, is something that touches me. It's it's a great actor, a great actress, a great scene, a great characterization, a great line. It could be anything, but that it makes it magical to you and to me, and I'm so happy when I tell you about one. And here's a good one. The movie is called HUD. H.U.D. HUD, from 1963. There was a time when Paul Newman did, they used to call them the three H movies, HUD, Ombre, and Harper. By the way, see Ombre sometimes, you know what? Oh, boy, that's a great movie. And so was Harper. But this one is terrific. HUD, directed by Martin Ritt, written by Irving Ravitch and Harriet Frank, Starring Paul Newman, Melvin Douglas, Patricia Neal, Brandon DeWilda, Whit Bissell. It's a great cast, and it tells such a story about, well, a tough, arrogant, snide, and self-centered fella and, uh, named Hud Bannon. And that's Paul Newman's character. And his father... Melvin Doug, oh, what a great actor. Melvin Douglas plays him. 
And there's, well, a story point of how, well, drunk Paul wound up killing his brother, Norman, in a car accident years and years ago, but it's colored their lives ever since. And Paul Newman started drinking more, and, well, he certainly didn't get happier. And Patricia Neal, oh, what a wonderful actress she was in everything. Brandon DeWilda. You know what? And the magic movie moment for tonight is a scene in a bar where, well, Hud and uh, that Paul Newman and Brandon DeWilda and their father, that is Paul's father, Melvin Douglas, go into town on a Saturday night. And they all, they're all in the, in the front of a pickup truck and uh, with, the, uh, with Melvin Douglas in the middle. And they go into town and they get a bite to eat. At, uh, then they see, they see a movie and uh, they, we, the kind of movies where you used to get to sing along. They would have a song in the middle. I think it's My Darling Clementine. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling Clementine. I never did that. That was, well, that was before my time and probably before most of your times, too. But they would have the words come up on the screen and a little dot would bounce over the correct words and you'd sing along. Well, it sounds good to me. And then, though, uh, Paul Newman and his nephew, Brandon DeWilder, go to a bar. And Paul's going to just show him what life is like a little bit on the outside. And uh, Paul is plenty tough. And Brandon, at one point, well, they have a beer and then... Paul, as most of the fellows in there would bring a pint of whiskey with them, too, and pour it into the beer, mix it up. But Brandon DeWilda at one point walks over to the jukebox looking at something. He sees a very pretty girl sitting there at the bar, and right in front of her is her boyfriend, who's a big, tough cowboy, and he's got a nice shirt on and a clean hat and some clean jeans, but he doesn't like Brandon DeWilda looking over at his girlfriend, and he thinks he's he thinks he's plenty tough too, so he goes over to the kid and says, "In effect, what are you, what are you looking at?" You know, and uh, and Brandon DeWilda is a very nice young man, and he's not looking for a fight, and he's about half the size of this big cowboy, and this big fella is, loves doing this sort of thing. He thinks he's going to look tough in front of his girlfriend, and. Uh, it's it's about to get real bad there. And at that second, Paul Newman walks up and just kind of leans against a railing and says, uh, hey, uh, what's going on here, you know? And he is so cool and so tough. And you want to say to this cowboy, don't make this mistake. You think you're all right? You're not. You think you can fight someone here? Not this guy. And he says, well, you know, uh, it's not me, it's my girlfriend there. He's making, uh, and Paul Newman just says something like, uh, well, I was just way over there in that corner and I was having a beer and I I was looking at her too. And you sure she's not looking for some encouragement? And he puts it so well, Paul Newman, as you know, what a great actor. And the guy just says, yeah, well, you know, I was going to send this young fella here to the hospital. And uh, Newman says, uh, you know, hey, and he holds his hand up as if to say, oh, don't, you know, oh, don't do anything dangerous here. And uh, 
that just, you know, eggs the guy on just enough to say, are you sure about this or something? And Paul points somewhere else and says, no, I was just saying. And as he points away, he swings right into this guy and he knocks him cold. One big, long right hand, bam! And this big fella was twice as big as Newman, too. And he goes right down like a puppet. And, well, folks, there's more before and after in that scene, but it lo always looked to me, even when I was a kid, I could see that movie and that scene in the movie and think, boy, that looks like a pretty good place to go to. That looks like a pretty cool spot. And that's what they did. And uh, Hud Bannon, played by Paul Newman, was also looking for a fight, too. He liked women, and he liked whiskey, and he liked fighting. And that's what he's all about. Folks, it's a terrific movie. See HUD if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, see it again. Because you know what? There's some things, like a night like that, and that's what it reminded me, by the way. Who wants a good steak? That's why I mentioned it before, even the lead into the show. Because I had... A few days ago, I was uh, coming from oh uh, work at uh, at a clinic I, I go to a couple of days a week, and oh, it's just great, and they work you out, and uh, they work your head, and they work your body. And uh, as I was driving back home, I well, I felt hungry. I'd been about three or four hours since breakfast, and I stopped at Mel's Diner. There are a couple of them around here. I don't, I don't know how many there are total. And they're not a sponsor here, by the way. I just wanted to tell you because I like them. Mel's Diner was built in 1947 or something. And they were car hops in those days where they had young, pretty girls from the area there. And they dressed up in the car hop uniform of the pants and the, the vest and the bow tie or something and the hat tipped to the side, and uh, boy, they have photos, big ones, too, that they they enlarge all over this place. You walk in, and it just feels like you're back then, and it's a good feeling. You say, get a load of those, of those folks then, and everyone in Mel's is glad to be there because the food is really good, far, far better than you think it might be. And I sat at the counter. I could have sat at one of the booths there, but something just told me, well, just sit at the counter. Let's always good to sit at a counter. And they set it up so well. You sit right there, and there's a little paper plas well, a placemat there in front of you, and a knife and a fork on a napkin. And uh, the waitress from behind the counter just came up, named Jessie, and she was terrific. Really, really a pleasure because she called uh, everyone she dealt with honey or sweetie. And that's a terrific kind of waitress. She was, I guess, in her 40s and uh, she had a great smile, but she's working. And you know, she's happy to use that smile and she says, all right, sweetie, you know what you want? And um, it was fun to talk to her. I said, I think I do. You know what? And I decided to get a steak. They have steaks there. I always loved steaks, and I don't think I've had a good steak in, I don't know, 12, 20 years. I mean, even when you go to a nice restaurant, they 
doesn't really mean much when they bring that sizzling plate over. I don't know about you, but it just it stopped meaning anything to me. You cut a cut a bite off there and you're chewing it. Okay, okay. It's just that. It's just okay. And it really doesn't mean anything. And so I stopped ordering steaks. It'd been a long time. And I decided to myself they had this well, a plate that you get there. It's one of the not the blue plate special, but you can get a New York steak and uh, some mashed potatoes with gravy and a salad beforehand, some vegetables on the side of the steak there on the plate. Oh, and a biscuit. And I said to myself, well, I don't need mashed potatoes. I'm not looking for mashed potatoes. And But all right, whatever they do, I ordered that. She said, you want something to drink? And I did, well, I'm not supposed to have these, but I sure felt good enough to say, yes, please, give me a Coke with lots of ice. And uh, they have big Coke glasses there. And they fill it with ice. And they put a straw in it with a little paper still on top and put it right in front of you there. And uh, okay, honey. And uh, she was just, again, such a treat. And I sat there and took a sip and it tasted great. And this is about one fifteen in the afternoon. And folks, the great thing about a diner, especially like Mel's Diner is, she turns around right through the window there into where the chefs are. There's two fellas. And she tells them the order right there. All right, New York steak and uh, medium rare. And uh, just, you know, whatever, whatever else you know, they put on it. Regular plate. And folks, within a minute and a half, I'd say, she put the salad down in front of me. And this is with a house dressing, by the way, which was very good. It was terrific. It was some kind of Thousand Island-ish dressing, and but fresh lettuce, and there was just a couple of things on it, mostly lettuce. But I'm telling you, I took another sip of that Coke and tore into that salad, and it was terrific. When have you ever said that about a salad, a house salad? They really took the time and the caring to make it well. It wasn't a giant plate. It was a plate just right, the just right size. And I tore into it. No, I didn't tear into it. I just, I started eating it, you know, jump with the fork and getting into those nice chunks of fresh lettuce and just bite size. It was wonderful. And then I'm telling you just three and a half, four minutes later, just as I was finishing up the salad, well, she brings that plate over with a fresh cooked steak on it, this New York steak and some vegetables and mashed potatoes with gravy on top that where the the chef makes a little hole in the top of the mound of the potatoes and puts well homemade house dressing there that brown real gravy thicker with the smoke coming off it and a biscuit on its own plate there on the side and she here you go sweetie and she put it down Folks, that was the best steak I've ever had in my life. The place was so friendly and so well lit. Mel's Diner just makes it fun to sit there and you glance up and look at some of those old big, big photos of folks coming there, waiting online. And of course, as you know, in old photos, the men are always wearing suits and ties. You know, it could be, could be three o'clock on a Wednesday. It doesn't matter. 
Well, they come, you're going to a restaurant, so you put on a suit and tie. And I started eating. That steak was so good, every bite. And I wasn't eating huge bites. I wasn't wolfing it down. I was sitting, and I felt like a gentleman. I felt like a guy from 1951. And then when I looked at those mashed potatoes with the brown gravy, and I thought, maybe you do this too. I thought, well, you know, I don't want that, but it looks pretty good. And I took a fork full of that with the gravy on it. It was terrific. I mean, better than pretty good. It was, holy mackerel, this is good. And the vegetables were good too. And I took a bite of the biscuit and thought, wow, this is a great biscuit. And I wasn't losing my mind. I kept going back to the food and thinking, this is a wonderful place. I'm glad I stopped here. And I'm glad I got this. And folks, I didn't thought, well, I don't even have to finish the steak, but I finished it. It wasn't a huge steak either. It wasn't like a gigantic three inch thick thing that filled a platter. I'm just, it was just a it was a piece of meat and New York steak cut so perfectly done and I just went through it. And I went through the potatoes. And that wasn't a lot of them either. It wasn't, again, it's not like a punch bowl full of mashed potatoes. It was just right. And the gravy was terrific. And I dipped the biscuit in the gravy. And then ate that with the gravy. And I actually wiped the plate with the biscuit. And I sat there after that. And by the way, here's the thing. The Coke was about, oh, three quarters done. And Jesse came by, didn't even ask, just came by, picked up the glass and walked around the corner there, filled it again with more ice and more Coke, just brought it back, set it down again and gave me a smile and a wink. Now that, do you need more than that? Because I don't. And I was still eating and I said, thank you. And uh, what a great response, smile and a wink. And I didn't even ask her for it. She just did it. Well, to be nice and to help the experience, there you are at her diner. And there was a guy next to me who had sat down and ordered the, well, the King Farouk hamburger, the one with all sorts of everything on it, stuff that you, you want to say, I, I can't open my mouth that wide. I can't eat that. I don't think anyone should have to eat the whole thing. But he did. He had a great time with it. He loved it. And I sat there and I was done. Now it's about, it's a long meal because you're enjoying it. Now it's about a quarter to two or 10 to two. Well, that's not so long, but you know what I mean. It's just you alone and there was no TV there, which is great. That really makes the experience better. And I didn't have a newspaper. I didn't want one. I didn't need one. And I just, you know dashed and wiped my mouth with their napkin and put it back on my lap where it was because that's polite. And uh, you know what? She knew when to just bring the check by. I didn't even have to hold my finger up and then sort of you do that mime in the air where you write as a time for the, oh, you want the check? She just knew and she just brought it and... uh she didn't even need to say that thing that, uh, everything all right there, honey? 
you know, uh, because she doesn't need to say that. She could see it was all right. She could see that the plate was empty and that I had wiped up everything with the biscuit. And she could see that I was smiling and that I was happy. And I was. And you know what, folks? I paid the bill and left a nice tip. Well, she deserved it. She really helped make that meal terrific. And then just before I left, I I got up and stretched and walked to the restroom. And it's only about 15 feet away. And I turned and walked in there and, well, just to wash up. And uh, wash, well, wash the gravy off your fingers. And I did and washed that and, you know, washed my face a bit. You know, just with the water there, you rub your mouth and your lips on it then dried off, and I came walking back out into that diner, and I'm telling you, I was walking on air. I was the happiest guy on Broadway. And I strolled out, and I would have said you know, goodbye to her. I just glanced over. She wasn't there. She was dealing with another customer. And that's, that's fine, too, even better. So I just got to walk out there and walk back into the sunlight of Southern California and take a nice breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. And I'm telling you, I strolled to my car in the parking lot, which wasn't a big parking lot, by the way. That doesn't mean 200 yards away. It was uh, about 40 feet away. And I got in, and I'm telling you, I actually said out loud in the car to myself, well, that was pretty good. And it was. So, you know what? I wanted to tell you, just by way of saying, go to a diner, folks. Go to one of your local places. The food is way better than you think it's going to be, and you already know that. No matter what you get, you get something with spaghetti. You know good diners really make all sorts of things. And you can get fish and chips or fried chicken, whatever you like. But it's good. It's not dry. It hasn't been sitting there. They cook it right then. And it's fast. This is real fast food. When I ordered it, she turned around and said to the chef, throw a New York steak on. And he did. He threw it right on. So 4.7 minutes after ordering, well, there's there's a salad and a steak and and mashed potatoes right in front of you. They're not sitting there in a pot just bubbling waiting for someone to order it, they make it. And I'm telling you, they make it pretty darn good. Go to a diner, folks. Go to a place you haven't been to in a long time, or maybe ever. You'll be glad you did. I finished this episode. I was the guest star on, on NCIS. And I wanted to send another tip of the hat. That's why I mentioned in the beginning, Robert Wagner who is the coolest guy in the history of show business. And I loved working with him. And I did even on the last day. We had uh, we had a couple of scenes together. And, uh, and oh, Brian Dietzen, who's uh, just a terrific character there. And we got to be friends. And Emily Wickersham, who's a friend, usually a partner on the show, with Wilmer Valderrama. They have a heck of a cast. And Maria Bello, wow. And their captain, the leader of the whole team, the captain of the ship there, is Mark Harmon. 
and he's a terrific leader and a pleasure to be with. They have a great group there. And Diana Valentine, a great director. Wow, she was good. Scott Williams wrote this script, too, and produces it. And I'm saying that because they all deserve credit where it's due, and it's due here. Thank you, folks, for... oh, They gave me a great job, and I loved it. And uh, I told them I might just come back every day for a few weeks again. I'm not even working there anymore, but just to hang out. Hi, guys, when's lunch? Why is... So is Larry out of his mind? (laughs) Until someone finally comes up and says, you know, you can leave, Larry. You don't... You don't have to be here. But I had a great time. And that's worth saying, too. That's like a good meal at Mel's Diner. To do a great job like that and give a fond tip of the hat to everyone who did it with you and did it for you and let you do it with them. I know that, folks. And you know it, too, because we know the same things. Homer is Homer and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. Be well, get a good meal at a diner, and we'll see you here next time. Transcribed for Armed Forces Radio, now in mono.